Amen. Well, some of you know we're in a series. The series is in is in 2 Timothy, and, and we've kind of dubbed the whole series, Fulfill Your Ministry. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor in Ephesus. And believe it or not, I know this may be, may be foreign to some of you guys, pastors can get discouraged. Can, can you believe that? I know, right? Um, because uh, we, we kind of tend to think, you know, pastors are impervious to all of that. You know, we just kind of keep going. Um, there's a reason that a lot of pastors don't have hair. It's a deacon. No, I'm kidding. I love my deacons. They didn't pull my hair out. That happened before I got here. I wasn't quite this gray when I got here, but that's my kid's fault. And she's right in front. I can't see her, but I bet she's giving me that look. Anyways, moving on. So, uh, have, you, have you ever thought that you lost something only to discover that you've had it with you the whole time? Has that ever happened to you? Maybe it's your, it's your keys, you know, maybe, maybe you can't find your keys anywhere and then you reach into your pocket and find that they're there. I normally keep them in my pants pocket, but it, when it's chilly like it was this morning, I had my, my leather jacket and, and I'm running around and I don't know how many times I reached in, I thought, oh no, I don't have my keys. They were one pocket up. Maybe, maybe not, not, you don't have to confess this, maybe it's your glasses. Have you guys ever looked around for your glasses, and, and you just couldn't find them anywhere, only to discover they were on your head. Now, I saw someone uh, mimicking this just, just a moment ago, but, but this is a true story. I, I was getting ready to leave the house, and someone called. I was talking on the phone, and I'm talking to them, trying to take care of that, and, and I'm like, man, you know, and they said, what's wrong? I said, I, I can't find my phone anywhere. And they said, well, how are you talking to me? <laughs> right? Because I'm just that good, right? (laughs) And and we've all heard this phrase, if your head wasn't attached to your body, right? (laughs) Well, sometimes we can just get a little confused. We just kind of think that we lost something. Maybe, Maybe we just look around. Maybe our mind is in the clouds somewhere. Well, well, when we get to this, this passage here in 2 Timothy, it, it's kind of like that. We, we kind of hit it last week, but I wanted to take some time this morning and, and just kind of dig into this. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. I don't know if this ever happens to you in Scripture, but, but sometimes I'll be reading along, and you're just kind of going along, going along, and then it's like a little blurb, and then it moves, Scripture moves on. And you say, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What, what was that? Now, now, one of them, um, I, I chose, uh, by the way, uh, just so you know, we have our, our Lenten lunches, lunches, and this week is, is our turn to provide the lunches. I think we need a few more, maybe soups, to help do that. But I'm doing the devotion, and, and they, they laid out the passages for us, and then we got to pick. And, and I chose quickly, because, because one of the, there, there's actually, it, it's, they separated one passage in two, and then they put one in the middle. I picked the one in the middle. But it's, it's that one where you're reading about the crucifixion, and Jesus dies, he gives up his spirit, the veil is torn from top to bottom, and then it says the graves opened. Right? The tombs opened. And then later on, it says that people who were dead were walking around after the resurrection. I didn't go, and, and that's all it says. Have you, you guys remember that, right? 
It just kind of says, oh, and by the way, the dead rose and they were walking around. And then they went on and you're going, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so what? tell me a little bit more about that. And it just doesn't. I mean, it, so I, I chickened out. I just admit it. I chose the one about the grave clothes being left in the tomb. Someone else can handle the dead people walking around and what that means. But we get to this passage, and it's kind of like that. The Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy in ministry. He's, he's really uh, in, encouraging him to endure in ministry. We talked about that last week. And then he gets to, to this passage, and, and he, he says this. He says uh, the last part, or actually it picks up in, in verse 11. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he'll also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And then in our scripture, it goes on to the next passage, the next kind of subject there. And if we're not careful, then we look at this and we think, oh, wait, wait, wait. So, so, Paul, you're, you're telling Timothy he can lose his salvation? I mean, if we deny him, him he will deny us? Well, well, let me just kind of give you the, the, the big idea this morning. This should be the first thing in, in your notes. Salvation isn't conditional. Do you guys get that? Is that not the first one in your notes? I forgot what I put in your notes. It is. Salvation isn't conditional. If you can lose it, you didn't have it. And if you have it, then you can't lose it. Now, some of you are saying, well, you know, I don't know. There are a lot of places in there where it kind of talks about that. So that's why I wanted us to dig through this just a little bit. Uh, By the way, I'm not texting anybody on my phone. I I can't do more than one thing at a time. I'm going to my my notes, which is on the YouVersion app. So you can can do that too. Sometimes I, I do my notes. And then I do your notes, and I make changes in your notes, and I forget to go back and change them in my notes. I don't know if you guys, you probably never knew that. Let's back up. I am perfect, and so all of your notes are exact. No, I'm kidding. So the saying, so, so let's look at this. Paul gets to this part. He's been encouraging Timothy in the ministry, and then he gets to this part, and he says, uh, I'll read it the, the way he reads it. The saying is trustworthy for, and then there's a quote. So I, I don't know if you guys uh, ever do this. This is a, a good way to, just a good habit to get into in Scripture. Um, when, when you're reading through, de- determine what, what's being said to whom and, and from whom. And the Apostle Paul, as he gets this part, he's actually quoting. Now, now some of the commentaries, actually this is one where some of them just skip over totally and some of them say, hey, that's kind of neat, and then they move on. Um, but but all of them seem to agree that this Paul is quoting, he's quoting a saying. It could have been a song, you know, a hymn that was sung in, in the early church already. Uh, it could have just been a saying. Uh, they, he kind of does this in, in Corinthians where he, he kind of lays out the gospel. What, what I received, I pass on to you, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so Paul says, the saying. So here's here's the first thing that you have to know. This is something Paul is quoting to make a point to Timothy. Pastors do this all the time. We'll quote somebody, you know, that that agree with us. We don't want to quote people that don't agree with us. But you you quote somebody to kind of make a point of what it is that you're saying. This is what Paul is doing here. So the saying is this: 
If we've died with him, we'll also live with him. And we're all there, right? We track with that pretty easily. If if we died with him, we'll live with him. He says, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. Well, the the Bible talks in a lot of places about uh, those who endure to the end. It's usually written in such a way that assumes that that will be so, that that will happen. And and then it, he, he kind of throws this one in, and this it, he didn't, but this is part of the saying. This one kind of throws this, if we deny him, he'll also deny us. Now, uh, up until now, this is a liter, literary technique, so that's why they kind of think it might have been a song, it could have been a poem, because you have parallel, 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 parallel. You go down, and then you throw in one that's not the same, and that's what he does here. And then he says, if we are faithless, now we expect him, we, we would expect if it followed, if we are faithless, he is faithless, right? But he doesn't. That's juxtaposed to this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because God always acts in accordance with his character and nature, doesn't he? He's faithful. God can't be faithless, even when we are. Any of you guys ever, ever like blew it big time? Any of you? I know that you all raised your hands in your heart, didn't you? <laughs> We do. Can you ever remember a time when God blew it? No, thankfully. He is faithful. That's part of who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. And so, so let's unpack this saying a little. Let, let's try to kind of figure out why, why did Paul put this in? What does this mean in, in the context of what we're talking about? So that's what we're going to do. Look at the context. I won't read the whole uh, chapter 2, but really chapter 2 uh, is our context remember by the way this is a letter paul wrote paul didn't write dear timothy chapter one verse one you know uh, we added the the chapter and verse later this is a letter that paul's writing but 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 this whole portion of the letter what he's doing it, it the, the context here is encouragement in the ministry uh, you can look at it before and you can look at it after and it's all encouragement in the ministry and and paul in, in the context of this, hits this saying. And, and we probably wouldn't pay a lot of attention to it, except that it would appear that in this saying that there's a possible quote from Jesus. Do you guys remember Jesus saying something like that? If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So let's turn to that. That's Matthew chapter 10. I didn't I didn't hear your devices clicking in there when you in in Matthew chapter 10 are there yet can you hear me now (laughs) by the way that just a little fun side note you know that guy quit working for Verizon I guess they couldn't hear him anymore Uh, works for AT&T or something now so so in in Matthew chapter 10 is where we get this this quote from and really, so so I just want to dig into it a little bit. Matthew chapter 10, verses, we won't read it all, but, but you, you've got it there in front of you. Verses 1 through 4, this is really the call to follow. Here's how it begins. And he called to him, that's Jesus, called to himself, his 12 disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease, every affliction, the names of the 12 apostles, and it lists them. Um. By the way, forevermore, Judas Iscariot will be known as the one who betrayed him. That's always linked with his name. And he's usually listed last. So, 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 so really it kind of talks about the call. Jesus has called them. He's calling them now to himself. 
And then there is the commission to ministry. Now, this is cool. It says, these 12 he sent out, instructing them, go among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then he gives them their commission to ministry, doesn't he? He calls them, he gives them the commission to ministry, and, and, and they go out, and then we hit verse 16. Actually, let me back up just a little bit. Uh, we, we get to, to verse verse 5 is the call, yeah. Then we get to, to verse 16. And, and in here, Jesus is really, beginning in verse 16, laying out the cost of discipleship. Now, this isn't the only place he does that. Uh, you, you remember he, he talks in, in, in one part about uh, the one who set his hand to the plow who turns back isn't worthy to be his disciple, right? You remember what he told the rich young ruler, you know, one of the saddest stories in Scripture uh, you know, the rich young ruler says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We suppose he was rich and a ruler. Um, but he, we know he's young. And so what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, uh, okay, well, you know, you know the commandments. Just do those. And the guy says, you know what? I've done those from my youth up until now. I would have said, you know, there's one in there about lying, right? <laughs> Jesus said, Okay. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Man, that's a heavy cost for discipleship, isn't it? Right? So Jesus gets in, and here's what he's talking about with the, I'm sorry, the the cost of discipleship. He he begins talking, I'm going to send you out as, as sheep. I'm sorry, it's in verse 16 that this picks up. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm going to send you out as sheep among the wolves. How many of you would rethink your call right about that point? You know, he, he didn't say, I'm going to send you out, guys, it's going to be a breeze. Hey, look, look, teaching two-year-olds, not a thing to it, right? All you need is Cheerios. Yeah. Jesus didn't downplay the cost. He just told them up front, I'm sending you out. Uh, beware of men. They'll deliver you over to the courts and into the synagogues. You'll be dragged before the governors and kings for my sake. Sign me up, right? He, he goes on, he's, he's helping them understand the, the high cost of discipleship. Then, then he goes, I'll skip down, verse 21. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you'll not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Then he tells them, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that won't be revealed. Let me skip down just a little bit. Uh, verse, i got to read 30 because this is always fun for me. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Takes longer for some than others, I'm just saying. He says, verse 32, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I'll also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So I would say that this was probably a quote from Jesus in the saying that the Apostle Paul is, is 
quoting to Timothy. But, but even from Jesus, if you look in the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about the cost of discipleship. He's not talking about someone who, who was a follower who fell away. In, in all of here, he, he's talking about, look, guys, this is what it's going to cost you. He did this a lot. With, with, you know, he, he had his, his 12, and then there was another group of committed disciples outside of them. Then you had kind of the crowd that was kind of around. And, and, and oftentimes, Jesus would say these hard sayings. He would say, if you don't hate your father and your mother, you're not worthy to be my disciple. If you don't even hate your own life, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And, and the crowd would say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can pay that. I told you about a young girl that we had, and, and we were reading that same one. and Such a sad thing. But she counted the cost. She said, I don't think I, you know, because we had to talk about what does that mean? When you're talking with teenagers and Jesus is saying, if you don't hate your father and mother, you can't be my disciple, you probably ought to explain that just a little bit, right? So we did. What that means is Jesus has to be so far above everything and everyone else that they don't even compare in your love for them to him. She said, what does that mean? So what it means is you have to put Jesus before your mother and your father. As a dad, that's a hard thing to say, isn't it? Wouldn't we like to be like top dog? Until we realize the effect of that. She goes, I don't think I can do that. And that's where she left it. Even when Jesus says this, he's telling them to count the cost for discipleship. So we looked at the context. We, we, we looked at, at a, really the, the saying. And, and so now let's look at the doctrine. So here's, here's what, what I would encourage you to do always. By the way, um, I, I'm going to tell you the very best commentary that you already have. Are you ready? right here it's the bible this is the one you start with and you're like what are you talking about you must have some weird study bible no um i don't even have margins in this one if you want to get one that you want to study be sure you get good margins you can make notes this is my pulpit bible what i'm talking about is this let the bible comment on the bible and and, and so with that let me just give you a caution don't ever build a doctrine around one, one, one verse of Scripture. Why would I say that? We, we just went through a study with our students called Cold Case Christianity and, and love the way that he put it. This is kind of the way that he ended the series. Basically, is what we have reliable? Is this, this is the English Standard Version, so a pretty new uh, translation. Is this reliable when you think back that the original manuscripts are nearly 2,000 years old and we don't have any of the originals they were in papyrus or uh, they're gone we, we have copies of the originals but they date back really really early and there are over 14,000 just so you know of those more than Plato uh, Aristotle uh, all of those guys that we don't question but he said something that that is important for us to know 
he said, you know, there, there are people that would say, well, you know, there, there are some variations, you know, as they copied, maybe the copyist made notes or a couple of, usually it's a word or so and it doesn't change the meaning. He said, but, but let me just, let me just, we'll give you this. We'll, we'll go to the extreme. Let's say that you took out every other verse in the entire New Testament. Now he's saying you don't have to do that. No, he, even the worst textual critic uh, of scripture wouldn't say that that there there are those kind of errors but he said let's just let's just give it you take out every other verse in scripture in the new testament he said you know what you'll find you'll find in some places that there's still enough of that story intact that you have everything you need but what you'll find certainly is that wherever something is missing there's another part of the new testament that fills that in so that what you end up with is still a complete New Testament Word of God. There's no doctrine that's lost, even if you... That, by the way, that's the extreme if you take out every other verse. There's no doctrine that's lost. Why? Because nowhere, actually in the whole Bible, does it teach a doctrine in only one place. The Bible's consistent beginning to end. And, and, and it's the same with this one. So, so when we're talking about salvation particularly, be really careful. We're, you, you'll, hit, you'll hit some places where you read that and you're like, well, I don't know. It says that he fell away, that he swerved from the faith. Oh, my goodness. First of all, read the context like we did. But, but also, let's see what else Scripture says. So, so the doctrine, we don't even have to go far for this one. 2 Timothy 2.19 says this. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. Now, Paul quotes again. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord, um, depart from iniquity. It's a, a command along with a statement. The Lord knows those who are his. Isn't that cool? It, it says, bearing this seal. I, I love it. The, you read throughout... Uh, scripture, of course, salvation, you're going to look mainly uh, to, to the New Testament, but actually the, the, the teaching is all the way through. The Bible does not teach a conditional salvation. It doesn't teach that salvation is conditional. Now, I don't know about you, that helps me a lot. Now, it doesn't mean, Paul talks about, so where sin abounds, grace abounds more, so does that mean we should sin more, so grace will abound more? He says, God forbid, no, no. Uh, that, that's like literal, no, no. <laughs> I said that to a kid just yesterday, I think, no, no. <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach a conditional salvation. You are saved or you're not. It, it's one or the other. And you're, I know what you're, you're thinking, I don't know, there's some, I would encourage you to go back, if, if you're thinking that, go back and look at those scriptures, look at the context, see if it's talking about salvation or not. See if it's one of those that you're reading through, it's talking about ministry, and then boop, and then the other, and you think, wait, wait, whoa, 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 hold it, hold it. <laughs> what? John three sixteen. I, I picked the one that's most obvious to us. This is probably the most memorized verse of scripture in the entire world. Did you know that? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but could have eternal life. <laughs> it's not what it says. 
should not perish. In other words, will not perish, but will have eternal life. Acts 2.38, you remember this? Uh, Peter gave, like, got to be the best. I mean, Billy Graham, God, boy, God used him in big, big ways. Um, it started with Peter. Peter did the, the first crusade. Preached about a 15-minute, 20-minute message. Um, he didn't even get to give an invitation. They, they, they gave the invitation for him. They said, what must we do to be saved? You know, Oh my goodness, what do we do? Peter says in Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that we'll find out in a minute. Paul says is the guarantee of our salvation. Romans 10.9, you, you probably know this, Romans 10.9 and 10, we use the quote, this is actually a 10-9. Because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, not, you might be, you could be, you hope to be. If you endure, you'll be. And in 10-13, just a few after, that's actually quoting. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 8, 1 through 4, one of my favorite uh, passages. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free from free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, that is in Christ's flesh, in order that the righteous requirement for the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I, I love that. We read all the time, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And you're like, I feel, um, people say things about me all the time. What, do, what are you talking about? It's not talking about people saying ugly things to you or about you. It's talking about condemnation for sin. Why? He tells us, because the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Free from what? Free from the penalty of sin. You're set free. It's done. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Why is that? Because God poured out the wrath, his wrath, the punishment for sin on Christ. So that, Paul says, our Debt of sin is canceled. It's gone. It's gone. You, any of you guys ever paid a bill and then they want their money again? Has that ever happened to you? And you say, oh, well, that's how it is. Okay, let me write another $10,000 check. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. You would say, uh-uh, <laughs> that was paid. I paid for that. I, I'll tell you a quick story. I shouldn't tell these things on me, but you guys know me well enough. I just am who I am. Got, got a ticket when they were doing the rock abatement down below the tunnel. This is years and years ago. And I still, I, I still say it was not 35 where he said it was. It was 35 a little further down. But I tend not to argue with guys who have guns. I just, just you know, just a good rule of thumb. So, so I'm like, okay, all right, you know, and, and, I was still fairly new here, you know, in Texas. You, you later on could mark whether you think you're guilty, not guilty, or no contest. Well, right here, he's like, so what do you plea? <laughs> guilty to the guy with the gun. I mean, you know, 
I said, I, I, I guess so. I mean, if you say so. So, you know. so, so I, I mailed it in. I'm not going to go down and contest and waste my time and theirs and more money. So, so mailed it in, you know, like you're supposed to. And 30 days later, I remember my office was down here, uh, this room right, right next door, the music room. My office was down there, and, and I got some mail, and I opened it up, and it says, basically, this is, I don't know exactly, but this is the gist of it. If you don't pay this fast, we're going to put you in jail. <laughs> we're going to issue a bench warrant for your arrest. And I thought, oh, great. It'll be the first page on the Mountain Monthly. <laughs> Pastor of First Baptist Church hauled off in the middle of an invitation because he didn't pay his ticket. And I said, I paid that. I, I know. Of course, you know me. I, I'm pretty sure I mailed that in. I mean, I, I remember putting it. So I run to the bank, nice, right across there. And I say, hey, I need like this check numbers. They made me a copy. And I've got the check that was cashed, canceled. It's done. And I called him up and I said, hey, what, what, what are you talking about? I paid that. And they said, well, did you put the ticket? You're supposed to put the ticket number on the check. I did that. It's right here in the memo. Okay. Okay, what? <laughs> well, I'd, I'd link the check to the ticket. You're all right. Hold on a minute. What was your name? <laughs> because it was paid. That debt had already been paid. I wasn't going to let them hold me accountable for that. It was paid. It's like that with, with, with us. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has canceled our debt of sin. And then, I'll close with this passage. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3-14. through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise holy spirit who is our who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory that sounds pretty iffy doesn't it that doesn't sound very certain at all (laughs) it's absolute And, and i know what makes this really difficult is that we know people that we thought were Christians. And somehow they walked away. Right? (laughs) 
I would just say this. I mean, we, we've talked about the doctrinal statements that it makes in, in Scripture. I would just say this. Man, if you can walk away from that, you didn't have it. If you can walk away from that, you, you might have been on the verge, but, but you weren't there. So some of you may be saying, well, then how do we know? How do we know if someone's saved? I think that's why in Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus, you know, we talk about the church discipline verse. But but I think that the whole point in there is if someone is not producing fruit, we may not know. So what are we supposed to do? Not beat them up, but we're supposed to share the gospel with them. Because I would say, and you you would probably think too, if you think back in, in your life, how can you walk away from that? First of all, you just can't. That the debt of sin is canceled. It's done. It's paid for. But how can you walk away? When I read this, that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, and we won't get into whole predestination stuff. That's, that, that's a good study for another time. But, but here's what this says, that I am his. I'm his. I'm adopted. My daddy is the God of the universe. You know what that makes you and Jesus? Your brothers and sisters with Christ as well as in Christ. We are heirs with Jesus. If it had anything to do with me, I would be doomed. Nothing good dwells in here, at least before Christ. But the heart is wickedly deceptive. You know, who can trust it? You see, it's, it's only because of what Christ has done for us that we can have a relationship with God. That's the whole point of the veil being torn from top to bottom because God separated. He, he got rid of the separation between us and him. And for those who are in Christ, <laughs> we're saved. It's not eternal conditional life or conditionally eternal life. <laughs> it's eternal life. So let, let, me just, let me just ask you. Let, let's go back to a pattern that we looked at with Matthew 10, the call. Has, has God ever tugged at your heart? Has He ever drawn you to Him? I, I remember distinctively long, and boy, we could, I could sit here all day. We all could. We ought to just have a testimony time some, some morning. I, I can look back, and man, I can see God drawing me to Him. He was calling me to salvation. Do you know that the call for salvation is wide? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls will be saved. Isn't that cool? We know the gate is narrow. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. But all are invited. That's amazing. That's amazing. God, if you've heeded his call for salvation, 
then he has commissioned you. He's commissioned every single one of us in here. You say, whoa, hold on, hold on. I haven't been called in the ministry. Oh, yes, you have. You may not be a pastor. You may not be a teacher. You might not be an evangelist. But if you're a believer, you've been called to the ministry. We just started a men's Bible study, and we're doing Experiencing God. It's really cool to think that he not only loves us, but he, he invites us to join him in his work. Isn't that cool? He could do it any other way he wanted, but it allows us to be a part of it. You're called to the ministry. I've had this discussion with several people over the years. Why is it that some... But, I mean, when you think about it, this is why we have to be really careful. We just spent the weekend with children. <laughs> children are not, they're not dumb, right? They're, they're pretty smart. If you were to ask a five-year-old kid, do you want to die and burn in hell or you want to go to heaven and live with Jesus? Which one do you think they're going to pick? You know? So we don't do that to them. We let the Holy Spirit draw them. We, we, we try to be sensitive and and kind of where they are and judge kind of their, their readiness and share the gospel and let the Holy Spirit work in their heart. But, but when you're talking to an adult and, and you say, first of all, this life is pretty crummy. Do you want what life is really supposed to be? And then, this life isn't even it. This is just like, our chance. Eternal life is it. Where, where are you going to spend eternity? And, and, and you would think, you would think that, that everyone would say, well, I want to spend eternity with God in heaven. Why do some say no? Maybe a lot of reasons, but one of them I think is the cost. I remember distinctly going back to Tom Telegman <laughs> um, right after I met the Lord when I was 15 years old. And I said, Tom, you wouldn't believe it. God loved you. Jesus died on the cross for you so you could have a relationship with God. And he wants to make your life brand new. He said, oh, I've seen this before. You've been to camp. Don't worry, you'll get over it. That was in 1982. I haven't gotten over it yet. But after talking with Tom over time, here's what I figured out. He basically said, you know what? I like partying too much. I don't want to give that up. You see, he didn't want to, cost was too high for him. So let me just encourage you today. I just want us to take some time and say, where are we with God? If you've never come to the, the place that you've trusted in him for your salvation, and, and uh, trust me, it, it's not a work at all. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, and that is a gift of God. We, we, we don't have to like muster up enough faith to believe. Thankfully, we don't have to muster up enough faith to keep believing. God is the one who even gives us that but that you trust in him. If you've never done that today, let me just extend that invitation to you. God is calling you to him.
there is so much more in this life. Even if that's all it was, it would be worth it. There's so much more in this life in Christ. But listen, this is this isn't even this isn't even the appetizer. We're not even smelling the appetizer yet in this life. You see, eternity is the thing that we need to look toward. If you've never done that, then just let me invite you to do that. Trust Christ today to save you. Best prayer in the Bible. Are you ready? Peter prayed it. <laughs> One of the few times he got it right. He was, remember, walking on the water. He saw the waves. He started to sink. He said, Lord, save me. Best prayer in the Bible. If you never prayed that, you can pray that today. But then for those of us who have, let me just ask you, do you realize you've been commissioned? You've been called to the ministry. And I just want to encourage you, listen, we are, it's not about happiness, we, but we are most fulfilled when we're doing what he's called us to do, when we're serving him, when we're walking in right relationship with him. Is that you today? Are you doing that? If not, you know how you get there? Same way. <laughs> Lord, save me. God, change me. Lord, just change my heart. Wherever you are today, just let me encourage you just to turn to him, would you? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We, we might even find ourselves as believers. I've been a believer for over 30 years now. Hadn't gotten over it yet. <laughs> you might find your, your, yourself after 30 years say, you know what, God, <laughs> would you just do that work in my heart all over again? Things have just kind of gotten stale and old and cold. God, would you just, just reignite in me that first love? Make me like a, I, I was when I first came to faith in Christ. And couldn't wait to tell Tom Telegman, who eventually came to faith in Christ, by the way. Let's just pray today. Lord, I just thank you that you love us. It's amazing. We don't deserve it. In fact, God, it, we oftentimes do just about everything we can do to keep you from loving us, but you love us anyways. I thank you that you save us, Lord, not only initially as we came to faith in Christ, but you are continually saving us. You're sanctifying us. You're working into us the mind and the character of Christ. And God, I'm not the same today as I was yesterday or last week, last month, and especially last year. That's you work in me. And God, you're our redeemer. Some of us have experienced some really bad things in life. And God, you, you came not only to save us from sin, but you came to redeem us from sin, to buy back, to, to, to bring back that every area of our life. You want to redeem that. And God, we just, we just thank you for that. And God, I just ask that you just do that in our hearts. Today, God, as we come before you, we just ask you to draw us to you reignite Lord that that passion that love for you in Jesus name we pray amen as we enter a